With your Amex card, entertainment benefits like special ticket access and pre-sales to select can't-miss events while supplies last, make every tap music to your ears. MTV's official Challenge podcast is back for another season. And so are we. I'm Tori Deal. And I'm Anissa Ferreira. The wait is over, guys. All Stars 4 is finally here. And this season takes it to a whole new level. Old school legends, modern power players, and ex-lovers are all competing in Cape Town, South Africa for the prize of $300,000. And we're going to be right here along with you fans covering every episode on the podcast. Listen to MTV's official challenge podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Saleya Mosin, and I've covered economic policy for years and reported on how it impacts people across the United States. In 2016, I saw how voters were leaning towards Trump and how so many Americans felt misunderstood by Washington. So I started The Big Take DC. We dig into how money, politics, and power shape government and the consequences for voters. With new episodes every Thursday, you can listen to The Big Take DC on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. This is the Lombardi Line with former NFL executive Michael Lombardi. Now here is your host, Stormy Bonatoni, on VSEN, the sports betting network. We all know about the speed of sound, but have you ever thought about the sounds of speeding? Drive too fast and you could hear the sound of your vehicle crashing because one way or another, speed catches up with you, paid for by NHTSA. Welcome back to the Lombardi Line. Alongside Michael Lombardi, I'm Stormy Bonantoni. Conference media days in college football are here, and it's a great sign, as always, that the season is upon us. And we're lucky enough that Circa this week is hosting the Mountain West Conference media days on location, which means on set right now with us, we have not just any player, ladies and gentlemen, but this morning, the newly minted preseason defensive player of the year in the conference, Easton Gibbs, linebacker at the University of Wyoming. Congratulations, first off. What was that like to hear the news this morning? You know, I wasn't quite awake yet, and then I got a couple of texts, and I woke up. So it was a good thing to wake up to. Uh, definitely blessed, and uh, it was cool to kind of get that honor, uh, especially this early in the year. Yeah, absolutely. Well, I mean, coming out here to Vegas, too, from Laramie, I imagine, a, a little bit different. But is it nice to get to interact with some of the players from around the league and do some activities? I know you guys usually do some fun stuff, right? Yeah, I mean, it's a good time getting to know some guys, too. You know, we're all kind of, as different teams as we are, we're all kind of similar. You know, we all play college football, so... You really have a lot in common, so it's cool to just meet new dudes and kind of just hang out and just kind of see what it's like at their university. So, Easton, you played quarterback, safety, linebacker in high school, and as the game in the Mountain West has transitioned to basically all passing, you know, and I also believe this, that you really are going to be judged at the next level based on your ability to play against personnel groups, not first and second or third down. So if you could stay on the field versus 11, or if you could stay on the field versus 10, you're going to be a highly valued draft capital for the NFL teams. Do you think your experience as a quarterback and a safety in high school has helped you prepare as you stay on the field all the time for Wyoming? No doubt. I mean, going through high school and, you know, being on the other side of the ball, especially as a quarterback and having to go through reads and break stuff down from that side definitely gives me a different perspective and, and things to look at. So I think that definitely helped. And then even playing safety, you know, you're the back at the end of the defense and you're looking up on everything and uh, just both perspectives and both ways that it goes, I think definitely have helped me a lot in my college career. I mean, and even this past year, you make the transition from Will to middle linebacker. Um, you have uh, guys like Chad Muma and Logan, who you learned from before, how does, like, 
handling, I guess, some of the pressure of making those transitions and living up to some of the people in front of you help form just like extra motivation for you coming into the 2023 season? Yeah, I mean, coming down to it, I've always had those guys as, as pretty good friends too. So it was definitely pressure, but it was also kind of an honor, you know, moving to that middle linebacker spot at our uh, university, um, you know, and those guys have helped me a lot throughout the way, you know, if I ever had questions or kind of just how to deal with the pressure, you know, because Chad had to deal with it from Logan and so it's definitely nice having those guys just kind of as more friends than anything. Michael, it's kind of becoming like linebacker you out there at, at Wyoming with the way some of yeah. these guys have piped out to the to the National Football League. You know, and, and it's partly because of the Mountain West being such a past league. I mean, Marty Mapu, the kid that was drafted by Cal State Sacramento by New England, you know, here's a small school, but yet he went in the third round because he had the ability to play safety, he had the ability to play linebacker, and the way the game is going, you know, I've often said this, is when you're a Mike linebacker slow, your defense is slow. And so when you've got a Mike linebacker that can run and he can play against every personnel group, all of a sudden your defense is much faster. And this notion that we're going to be a nickel, we're going to be a dime, I mean, that's all removing because the offenses are in so much spread formation. So as you get ready for the Mountain West, uh, who do you feel like is the best offense you have to play against in the Mountain West? Oh, that's a tough question. I mean, they're all so different. You know, Boise State brings a different dynamic. You know, they got three dudes in that backfield that kind of can do a lot of stuff. Um, but they're kind of more of that pro style, too. So, you know, and then the, you got people like Utah State who really like to spread it out. But I always like to say Air Force is probably the most challenging offense you have to prepare for just because they do that triple option stuff, and it's just so much different. Uh, we, we put a lot of time into that and kind of have to really lock in for that week. At least when you have to play them on the road, you're used to the altitude playing at 7220 and all of that. But looking at your guys' schedule this year, it's not easy, right? Um, open the season, non-con, nationally televised game, Texas Tech, Texas on the schedule. Um, when you look at that schedule, it, how much do you just have to go one week at a time figuring out what you guys are doing step by step? Yeah, I mean, that's kind of what we do every week regardless. You know, it's definitely a tough schedule this year. <clears throat> but uh, I think it just comes down to, like you said, just take it one week at a time and, you know, really focus on your opponent every week. So Something I was curious your opinion on, you guys go from, I believe it was the fourth youngest team mm -hmm. in the country a season ago. This year with 17 returning starters back, you're the most experienced team yeah. now when it comes to your starting production coming back in year two in the Mountain West Conference. How is just that step? I feel like when I talk to coaches in college football, they always talk about that freshman to sophomore jump and what a dynamic jump that that mm -hmm. is. For the whole team, really, going from so much youth to now having that experience, what kind of a difference can that make? I mean, it's crazy. I think we kind of saw it a little bit last year. You know, even just game by game, those young guys, you could just tell they get more comfortable. And now having a whole other offseason, knowing really what they're doing and kind of having that experience, like you said, I think it brings a big, big boost to the team. And just confidence-wise, I think, is the biggest thing, you know, just being out there and knowing that they, they can play at this level. How have you adapted, you know, coming from California, how have you adapted to the altitude at Wyoming? And do you feel like when you go and play on at sea level, you feel like it's just a completely different game? Yeah, I mean, when I first got here, it was definitely tough. You know, I was coming down from Southern California and, you know, first couple of workouts and stuff, I was gassed. And, you know, it takes a little bit to get used to it. People think maybe all a couple of days up there, but I think it took me probably a couple of weeks. Um, but, yeah, when I go back down to sea level, it just kind of, Seems like I just have a breath of fresh air every time down there. So it, it is nice playing uh, up that high all the time. I 
I lived in Colorado Springs for a little while mm -hmm. when I previously worked at the Mountain West in a, in a former life. And I remember when I first moved there, just being at higher elevation, I'd try to run on the treadmill. I thought I was going to die. I went back to San Diego to visit my family. Or I'd come back here to Vegas and I felt like strongest woman in the world. It really does make a difference. Is that nice to like have that added advantage at times when you're playing the home schedule? Yeah, it's definitely in our back pocket. You know, you know, if the offense goes a little faster, if we can keep them on the field a little longer, you know, they're probably going to get a little bit more tired than normal. So it's definitely an advantage. Um, I had a couple more questions with you with regards to the Mountain West Conference taking away divisions this year, mm -hmm. first time since 2012 that they haven't had the Mountain and West division. You're used to playing in that Mountain division, and, and Boise has kind of been at the top of that mm -hmm. in recent history. The, the preseason um, media poll selection to win the conference this year. Do you think that it opens up a little bit more opportunity to have the two best teams um, when it comes to win percentage getting to play in that final title game? Yeah, I mean, I feel like that's the way it should be. You know, the two best teams should have a shot at the championship. So I think it's definitely beneficial that we move back to kind of this format. And I think it'll be fun. I mean, it's definitely going to be weird not playing some of the teams you're used to playing yeah. every single year, but I think it'll be a good time. Well, tell us a little bit about your team. For people that are maybe a little bit less familiar with Wyoming football, what should people expect this season from your group? Man, just a lot of effort and a lot of, you know, energy. We like to fly around out there and, you know, take a lot of pride in that and just kind of having like a hard-nosed team. So it should be a good year. You know, I think that's that's a good way to put it, hard-nosed. I saw a quote from Craig Bull recently where he said, I like the attitude of this team. They're a hard-working group. They play together. They're the type of team I got into coaching for. Um, and, and talking about how special a type of player it takes to, to play at Wyoming and to buy into the Wyoming way. How would you best describe what the Wyoming way is and, and why you think this team is structured the way that it is? I think just the Wyoming way is really just comes down to working hard and every day you come into the facility, it's kind of like bettering yourself. You know, we always talk about getting 1% better and kind of trying to get to that next level, even though it might be, you know, hard or you might not want to do it. And I think our whole team is really bought into that process of really trying to better themselves every single day they step into our facilities. You know, we talked off the top about your relationship with Logan Wilson and Chad Muma and kind of learning behind them. Who's the, the next up and comer behind you that you're trying to share that similar mentorship with? Shoot, I mean, we got a pretty young room behind me, but uh, Connor Shea, you know, he's been a guy that's been around for a little bit now, you know, but he's been behind me for a little bit. And, you know, he's a good friend of mine too, but, you know, kind of just trying to show him the ropes and do the same thing, so. Yeah, uh, if there was one flaw, I guess, from the Wyoming defense last year, I think the thing you guys get knocked for is the run D. Mm -hmm. how, are you, how are you guys looking to turn that around in 2023? You know, I think we'll be good. We had a little bit of injuries last year up front, and, you know, I think we were turning one of the best defensive lines we've had in a long time at our school, and, you know, it comes down to just being, go back to that hard nose, you know, type of football we want to play. So I think if we just come out and play with effort, it should be, it should be a pretty good year. Yeah, no question. Certainly excited to see what the Wyoming Cowboys are able to put on the field here this season. And congratulations again to you for being named the preseason defensive player of the year. You went over 120 tackles last year. Any personal goals for you? I uh, just play football, you know. I just want to win some games. So that's about it for me. All right. Simple. Play hard. Keep at it. Good yeah. luck throughout the rest of this season. Um, appreciate the time here again. Easton Gibbs, Mountain West preseason Thanks, defensive Easton. player of the year. Yes, and um, plenty of content that's going to be coming out of Mountain West Media Days from the Mountain West Digital Network and other outlets as well. Make sure y'all check that out. We're going to take a quick break here on the Lombardi line. We've got more NFL contract news and a potential holdout to discuss when we return here. Plus, while we're talking Mountain West, might as well give an update on my alma mater, San Diego State's uh, standing with the league. The results of a very important conversation that took place last night. Don't go anywhere. This is the Lombardi line on Beast and the Sports Betting Network.
This is the Lombardi Line with former NFL executive Michael Lombardi. Now here is your host, Stormy Bonatoni, on VSIN, the sports betting network. It's time to download Nevada's premier sports betting app, BetMGM Sports. BetMGM has all your favorite wagering options along with in-game betting, boosted odds specials, and more. You can download the BetMGM app today and stop by any MGM casino on the Strip with your state-issued ID to open up an account and start placing sports bets from anywhere in Nevada. Whatever your sport, whatever your betting style, you're going to love BetMGM's state-of-the-art technology and fan-friendly specials every day of the week. Visit BetMGM for terms and conditions. Must be 21 or older and physically located in Nevada. Please gamble responsibly. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-522-4700. Back here on the Lombardi line for Inquiring Minds as we just wrapped up a conversation with Easton Gibbs of the University of Wyoming. Mountain West Football Media Day is being hosted here at Circa Resort and Casino. Happy to have him on set. Win total for the Wyoming Cowboys sitting at 6.5, plus 115 to the over, minus 140 juice to the under. I, I referenced with the Easton, very tough schedule for the Wyoming Cowboys coming into this season. And uh, to wrap up some of our Mountain West talk as well, Michael, uh, the league did reportedly inform my alma mater, San Diego State, yesterday that it will remain a member of the conference. So good news all around after that. I mean, for anybody that didn't know, I'll give you a little timeline on what went down there. San Diego State tried to exit the conference over a month ago. They sent a letter saying that they intend to leave the league. They were trying to see if they could get an extension from the then June 30th deadline so that they could only have to pay their normal $17 million exit fee. It would bump up to double that should they exceed that number. But since the Pac-12 still hasn't finalized their meteorites deal, they couldn't go there. So it was a lot of back and forth with the Mountain West where basically the league was just saying, no, you told us you were going to leave, so you have to pay us. And um, they, they got it worked out. San Diego State will remain in the Mountain West for at least the next two seasons, Michael. So that's good to hear. Yeah, and they got their check, but and they got yes, paid, so exactly. that's important for San Diego State. And we're also uh, that we will soon see the Pac-12 is getting ready to announce their media deal. So they believe that I think it's August first is when they have media day with the Pac-12, if I'm not mistaken. And so they're going to announce their rights. So we'll start to see as some of this shapes up. Because look, let's face it, you know the the college football landscape has changed dramatically. I mean, USC, UCLA are in the Big Ten. Uh, you know, I mean, yeah. so Nebraska is not the furthest point west in the Big Ten any longer. And so we know that Oklahoma and, and, and Texas are going in the Southeast Conference. And we saw there's a lot of uncertainty, and I think it's going to continue that way. But once these media deals get done, we'll get clarity. Yeah, the Pac-12 media day is actually going to take place later on this week. So we'll see if we do get that answer and clarity sooner rather than later. But I feel like for the last however many months, Michael, since they decided to enter into negotiations earlier with all of the news of UCLA and USC, that like, oh, yeah, we're, we're, we're getting there. We're getting there. We're getting there. And then we just never get there. So hopefully yeah. you're right and that they have some answers for the media when they're asked a lot of those questions. Um, as for San Diego State, their win total this year is set at seven games. Hoping, fingers crossed, with media days, like I said, being here to get uh, head coach of the Aztecs, Brady Hoke, on the program as well. Went seven and six last year. Had a turn of fortune once they made a change at quarterback. New offensive coordinator. Um, their defense is always going to be good. So we'll just see if they can put it together this year. Let's go back to the NFL, Michael. Uh, some interesting yeah. news about a team that you are very familiar with and your guy Bill Belichick out there in New England. NBC Sports Boston reporter and Patriots insider Tam Curran, uh, Tom Curran said on the Rich Eisen show this week that not only is Belichick on the hot seat, 
but that he's been at varying degrees of warmth since 2019, cited the lack of a succession plan after Tom Brady walked, the decision this past season to let Joe Judge and Matt Patricia take over the offense, as well as, in so many words, struggles with discipline and situational awareness. Uh, how, how much pressure do you feel is actually on Bill Belichick this season? Well, I mean, it's interesting. I mean, two coaches now. We've got Nick Saban's legacies in trouble because according to the worldwide leader and and Paul Feinbaum, whatever his name is, I mean, you know, that, that Nick Saban's no longer, you know, one bad year ruins it. I, I, I like Tom Curran, and I think certainly the Patriots haven't been to the level that they're used to being. They made the playoffs. Last year was a disappointment, certainly. They made mistakes, but to me – you know, look, if if you're going to get a better coach than Belichick, good luck finding one. Yeah. Uh, you know, good luck finding one. And I think sometimes when you've had so much success, you tend to get spoiled with your success. And, you know, the, this is always going to be the notion. And I ask this, how is Bill Belichick on the hot seat and Ron Rivera isn't? <laughs> like, how is that news, right? No, I'm with like, you. Are people, like, are people saying Ron Rivera is not on the hot seat, though? I feel like. It's pretty clear. You never read about it. It just should have been you previous years. You never read about it. Yeah, you just never read about it. Look, you know, I mean, one of the things about the National Football League is there's always discourse. There's always going to be change. And if they feel like they can find a better coach than Belichick, I'm sure they'll they'll make a decision if they can. If not, he'll go on, keep coaching, and I'm sure he'll go somewhere else. I don't think those guys will be unemployed long yeah. if they lose their jobs, like Mike Shanahan was when he lost his job in Denver. Did they improve their franchise? I think they've been dwindling down since then. I mean, I know they won a Super Bowl with Gary Kubiak, but the changes are often harder. Who replaces the coach? It's easy for us in the media to say you should fire the coach. But who are you going to get that's a better coach than Belichick? I wouldn't say a better coach, but I think at least based on what I've read and understood within the organization that the person that would maybe step in is Gerard Mayo after that. Not that he's better, but he's internal yeah. and would make a sense for a natural transition. Right. Well, I, th I think what you'll see is if there's changes, you'll see more people become involved in the Patriots. You know, right now everything runs through Belichick. And I think really the, the whole discontent or perhaps the, the, is that maybe they want to kind of get some of that ability to bring back to the decision-making. And Robert Kraft, the owner, is used to winning, you know, and he wants to, maybe he wants more say because right now everything runs through the head coach. Although when you read the books, everything was about the decisions that were made were – we're not Belichick's. It's kind of interesting how it all goes. You know, winning has uh, a lot of friends. Losing has has very few. Um, Curran added in that interview that, I mean, speaking to your point about Robert Kraft maybe wanting to have more play in the decision-making, that he's pointed out a number of times that he's anxious and wants results, and he's not getting them. Since Tom Brady left after the 2019 season, the Patriots have been 25 and 25 with a combination of Cam Newton, Mac Jones, and Bailey Zappi under center. Did you see the quotes from Asante Samuel, by the way, um, on on Belichick and Belichick and Tom Brady? I mean, it's a joke. I mean, Here, it really is a joke. The, I mean, for, the guy quickly, Samuel has no idea what he's. He has a grudge. I mean, obviously, it's a grudge. When, like Feinbaum, when he said what he said about yeah. Bell, what about Nick Saban? There's obviously a grudge there. I mean, how it gets any play. And ask Tom Brady if Brady could have been as successful without Belichick. I think you'll get the answer. Like, I don't understand, like, this notion that great players 
don't need great coaching. Like, where does this come from? Like, you know, like, like Warren Moon was a great player. Did he have great coaching? He never made it to one conference championship game, right? Dan Marino had a Hall of Fame coach, the winningest coach. He went to one Super Bowl. I, I mean, like, seriously, you really going to defend, have to defend that ridiculous notion that, you know, it's all Brady that the reason they won? So let's go through it, Asante. Right. If you would have caught the pass over on the other sideline, there would have been seven Super Bowls in New England, not just six. Let's put that out there. Okay, that's one. Two, the first Super Bowl, they had to stop the greatest show on turf. Did Brady play defense that day? I'm just asking. I don't know. I'm sure he probably didn't. Just a hunch he didn't. How about the Super Bowl against the Rams when they won 13 to three? Did Brady play defense that day? I'm going to guess he probably didn't, right? I'm going to guess that he didn't. So, like, this idea that they're a one-sided team that they want, it's ridiculous. And history has shown that you can't win unless everything works together. It's not one. Is certainly Belichick benefited by Brady? Of course. Did Brady Belichick from Bra- benefit from Bra- Belichick? Of course. It's ridiculous. Michael, for, for real quickly, since it's short, for anybody who didn't hear it, here's the snippet real quick. Is he the best coach in NFL history? Absolutely not. Are you crazy? I, why, why not? Well, look at his record without Tom. You got to win without Tom. So, so you're One telling thing me. I learned about being great, you got to be great in different situations. It was all Tom. I was there. I saw it. It was Tom. Everybody know it. Tom know it. But he ain't going to admit it because he want to be politically correct. That's why I'm here. That's why I'm going to tell the truth. And you're not afraid. And I never. And you got to experience to talk the truth. Because I've been there. I've seen it. I confronted him. And we've been through it. And that's how I do. And Brian McFadden's kind of egging him on there, too. But, yeah, you can tell there's there's a, a grudge for sure. It's a joke, really. I mean, ask Tom. I mean, ask any coach who's been there. I mean, seriously. You know, I, I could say this. 28-24, doesn't call timeout. Puts in a defense that we hadn't run all year, that we practiced because of March. And Malcolm, Gla- and Malcolm Butler makes the interception. I don't think Tom put the defense in. I don't think Tom called the defense, and I don't think Tom didn't call timeout. So, like, let's stop the nonsense. Like, like that's just really somebody just talking. It's moments like these and topics like these when we have the news versus noise conversation that I love that Michael Lombardi is on this program. So good. Uh, we have to take a break. Wrapping up hour one when we come back. Despite this quarterback being misquoted on the number of picks he'll throw in 2023, still raises an interesting question about his interception prop. We'll give you the details in no way or no doubt. Next. MTV's official Challenge podcast is back for another season. And so are we. I'm Tori Deal. And I'm Anissa Ferreira. The wait is over, guys. All Stars 4 is finally here. And this season takes it to a whole new level. Old school legends, modern power players, and ex-lovers are all competing in Cape Town, South Africa for the prize of $300,000. And we're going to be right here along with you fans covering every episode on the podcast. Listen to MTV's official challenge podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Saleha Mosin, and I've covered economic policy for years and reported on how it impacts people across the United States. In 2016, I saw how voters were leaning towards Trump and how so many Americans felt misunderstood by Washington. So I started The Big Take D.C., 
we dig into how money, politics, and power shape government and the consequences for voters. With new episodes every Thursday, you can listen to The Big Take DC on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. The Big Take from Bloomberg News brings you what's shaping the world's economies with the smartest and best-informed business reporters around the world. We cover the stories behind what's moving money and markets and help you understand what's happening, what it means, and why it matters every afternoon. I'm Sarah Holder. I'm Saleh Mosin, And I'm David Gura. Listen to The Big Take on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.